When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those people who lived well and died well, who met the challenges of their time in a way that brought teaching, that brought learning, that brought transformation, and brought gifts to the face of our beautiful world. So I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our many lineages to us. I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today and to help the living to learn from those who have gone before us, to stop repeating the same mistakes again and again and again, adapted only to fit the conditions of our time. But help us to change, help us to transform, help us to innovate where innovation is needed and to hold on to traditions where they are the only thing that will help us to understand what is truly happening. So I ask these ancestors to come and be with us here today. Help us to have perspective, help us to have discernment, and help us to truly be the answers to the prayers that brought us here in the first place. So with these ancestors gathering around, I reach through the human line to the energies that were here before humans. And I call out to the great spirits of nature and all their many forms around our globe and all the way to the spirit of the earth herself. I call out to these energies for they are the ever more ancient ancestors. And I call out to them to help us to tune deeply into our own true nature, to understand our place in the great cycle of life and to reach out and to find our place between those who have been here and those who are coming and to live this time well in a way that is good for all life. So with these ancestors and their many forms gathering round us, let us draw our awareness to ourselves and call our energies into our mind, from our mind down into our heart, from our heart into our belly and from our belly let us reach down and touch the earth and take just a moment to stop all the distractions and just give gratitude for this day for the beauty and the wonder that it holds for the many challenges and the many blessings we give thanks for this day for this place that we journey in this experience that is our life we give thanks for the diversity And we give thanks for the wonder of this spark of life that we carry, for this great miracle. And may we live this day as if we understand that our life is not to be taken for granted, that it is not an entitlement, but it is a sheer and true miracle. So let us live in live this day with an understanding of the truth of our life, which is that it is a miracle and we are truly blessed to be here at this ever so interesting time on this beautiful planet. So with that gratitude in our heart, let us extend our gratitude out, let it pour out through all the layers of the earth as we move our energy down through the earth to the very core of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there. And whether you want to think of this energy as the fiery ball in the center of the earth or simply this essence energy of the earth, this is the energy that restores and rejuvenates. It's a place of silence and stillness and darkness. That potential energy before it rises to the surface and becomes that abundant energy that manifests into all the many things here on the face of the planet. And so as we allow our energy to be deeply down in the very center of the earth, let us call up to this essential earth energy and draw it into our life with the relief that we would bring our first drink of fresh, clear water on a hot day. Let us draw that energy up into our being, into our energy body, into our physical body. We draw this energy up to bring restoration and rejuvenation and replenishment to restore ourselves and renew ourselves and in that energy to reconnect, to ground ourselves to the earth and come to understand where we stand 
and what we stand for. And from this place, from this foundation, let us open ourselves out and use this earth energy to create a sense of home and a sense of hearth. And may that sense of home not be tied in an excessive way to a particular location, but be a quality that we bring with us and that we spread wherever we go so that people feel at home with us and that we can feel at home in our own skin and our own bodies. So we cultivate this sense of home and we open that home to the other that we might be provoked and inspired to truly grow and become the men and women that we were meant to be in this life. And as we open our sense of home and discover a sense of belonging even greater than we ever understood it to be. Let us continue in our exploration of using this earth energy to feel connection and connected, to extend out to the interconnectedness of things and to understand that we are here to co-create our life with spirit and with others and with other living things and to reach out into the deep, deep web of life, that energy that is underneath all that is apparent and obvious in front of us, but that energy that is underneath, that is the deeper energetic reality of it all. And let us connect into that oneness and use that moment to come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And as we do this, let us draw the energy up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and reach out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you today, out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos. And let us reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever way you understand this energy or name it, name it, call it down. See yourself reflected in it and it in you and bring this divine energy down into yourself, into your day, and into these proceedings. And with this energy, we call in the energy of blessing, this essence energy that is present and inherent in our life experience. We call in blessing. We call in protection. We call in devotion and commitment. And we call in the benevolence of this universe. We call in all the wisdom of above. We call this energy in. We call in the beneficence of this universe. We call it in and ask it to be present and real with us today. That we might be inspired, that the path might be illuminated, and that we might innovate what is before us in a way that only we can to bring our true, unique, creative essence out in the world. And so as we draw the sky energy down from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and we send it down to the center of the earth and we open that channel of connection between heaven and earth and we let these two legendary lovers be real within us and their big love become real within us in our imagination. We let that energy ignite the heart and open up the spirit of our own heart, open up the crucible of transformation that is inherent in the human heart. And with that crucible, let us call up the fiery passions of the belly and call down the crystal clarity of the mind and bring these two energies together in that passionate dance of two things so uniquely different. And we let them dance together until in that dynamic tension, they give birth to a third and ever so special and sacred thing, which is some sort of sense or memory or knowing of why you are here. And may you reach even deeper into the humanity of your heart and find the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in the world. So as we focus ourselves appropriately on why we are here, we give gratitude to the spirits that are gathered around us. We ask that what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I also want to extend my personal gratitude out to you, to Stephen and Patricia and Gretchen and Evelyn, to Susan, Teresa, Kayleen, and all of the listeners who have donated financially to the show. If you're listening for the first time, understand that this show is listener-supported. If this show moves you in any way, even if it moves you to irritation and frustration, which I know it does sometimes, I ask you to recognize the fact that you have been moved in your heart and to do that, that fundamental act of shamanism, which is to allow what moves your heart to motivate you into action. 
and then do something large or small to help the show to grow. And if you can donate financially, know that any amount goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And we are very much appreciate that. If a thousand of you simply donated $5 a month, we, we would do well. We would be in a good standing. And so please, uh, if you're able, do donate financially. And if not, do something else. There are many, many ways that we exchange the rich resources of energy in our world. And finances, money is not the only way. So please, those of you that understand how to share the show, how to grow the listener base, how to uh, draw the teachings of the show into your life, into your journey circles, into your own shamanic communities, into your own life with your way that you parent or the way that you love your spouse or your partner. Just do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. We are greatly appreciate that. For those of you that haven't discovered yet, the show has its own website, especially for those of you that download from iTunes. Um, the website is whyshamanismnow.com. The archives are all there as well. There's a search function for those of you that want to search for the show, different shows. Um, the series are represented there more clearly than they are on iTunes, but there's also a support button. So if you haven't supported and you want to, you can click the support button, donate any amount that you choose to, large or small. And if you do want to donate regularly, monthly, you can set that up through your own PayPal account and um, set up a monthly donation. So thank you all for your support in all the many ways that it comes. Today's show, for example, which is about grace in transition, particularly the transitions of the seasons. This show comes entirely from a listener's question, and I thought it was a great question. Um, but I do want to uh, remind you all that we are live today. So if you have questions about the topic of the show, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and um, send me an email during the show or even after the show um, and let me know what's going on. You can also email me there if you would like to donate but you don't want to do it over the internet. That's perfectly fine. So, as I said, today's show is about the seasons, and the seasons change. They have done so every year of our lives since the moment that we were born, and yet somehow we get caught off guard by these changes. And many people find themselves getting depressed or distraught or remorseful that fall has arrived and the summer has run its course. Or we get overly emotional. We get angry. We even get sometimes deeply depressed in the springtime when life all around us is blossoming forth out of its dormancy. We dive into a deep depression. So the question from the listener was, how do we harmonize with the seasons? How do we move with grace with the seasons rather than feeling tossed around and out of sync with the earth. And so basically the question at the essence is, why in spite of my work and practice do I lack the grace I can imagine in these transitional seasons? And it's an excellent question. You know, what's really interesting about this radio show is, you know, I pick these titles and some titles get a whole bunch of traffic out there on the internet. I never really quite understand why. Um, And this is one of those titles that interestingly isn't, getting a lot of traffic but the irony of that is every single person on the planet right now is in transition because the planet depending on which hemisphere you're in is either moving through spring or fall we're all in transition right now we're all in this place that makes us so incredibly uncomfortable and we're all in it together so the seasons move through the year in this way. So winter is full yin time and there are lots of shows in the archive about going to the source, going to rest and restore yourself in the winter. There's, there's, there actually are many, many shows about that already. So winter is the full yin time. It's the time of going within. And spring then is the movement from yin to yang because summer, of course, is the full yang time. It's about big expression and um, manifestation and the, the maturation of um, whatever it is that we're doing. And so then fall becomes the movement from yang back into yin. So the seasons together are balanced and whole and move in the cycle of, y- of the year 
you know, move us through the cycle of the year, through this great big wholeness. You know, throughout the entire year, we move through all of those places. And so if we were to move with them and not whine about it, if we were just to move with the seasons in a good way, we would be in a big wholeness as well. So here we are, contemporary people, and we don't. So spring and fall always trip us up for many of us. And, 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 um, and many of us, I'm not so much that way because I live in a part of the world that seems weather-wise always to be in transition all the time. But nonetheless, spring and fall are the transitional seasons by their very nature. So spring is encompassing this movement from yin to yang, out of the winter into the summer. So it's the movement of yin to yang. And fall then is encompassing this movement from the yang of the summer into the yin of the winter. So, so for those of you that now have already stopped listening because you're stuck on the fact that Chinese medicine and Taoism are five element systems, yes – by the grace of the dreaming that brought life as we know it to the face of this planet, we do have a fifth season in this way of looking at things, which is Indian summer. And this gives us the opportunity to gather and begin to sink the yang, the big yang of the summer in. And then as we move fully into fall after Indian summer, then we move into this real transition into the end time. Okay. But we also need to remember that around the globe, especially if you live very near the equator or very far away from the equator, um, life is not quite so organized in its seasons or is organized differently, I would say, in its seasons. So, you know, you need to remember that there's a whole lot of the globe that frankly has two seasons. They have a wet season and a dry season. And then there are other places that have hugely extreme seasons, you know, like Norway or Finland, where they have midnight sun, like a huge yang energy in the summer, and then great long, long, long hours of darkness in the winter. And so we need to remember that in this human family, there are many, many variations on the actual physical manifestation of the seasons. And yet... We are still all cycling together through this passage in the annual movement through the cycle of the year from yin to yang and back to yin again. Just the nature of our world. So we in the West uh, continue in our folly of normalizing depression, which is one of these um, symptoms basically of these transitional seasons is depression. So we in the West continue in what I consider our folly of normalizing depression, that it's becoming more and more normal for everybody to be depressed. And um, we are installing this false belief that depression is inherited and there's nothing you can do about it. In other words, like once you catch depression, you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. And I'm not sure that's true. I'm not, I, you know, I don't know. And then the other thing is this begins to rationalize then why people should just simply live on their pharmaceuticals. And what I'd like to do today is talk about this all from a different perspective. And I'd like to look at this from a, through a Taoist lens and then uh, just kind of sort out what's going on. And then to use our shamanic skills as we think about, well, what, what would I do about it? If I see it this way, then what would I do about it? Okay. So... The primary reason that spring and fall are problematic for contemporary humans because they are transitional seasons and transitions are problematic for contemporary humans. I'm not so sure this was much of a problem for our more ancient ancestors, but it sure is a problem for us. So from a Taoist perspective, energy is either lost or gained in transitions. So how you engage in the tradition, that, in, the, in the transition, makes all the difference in your experience of the transition. So fighting anything that by its nature is transitional will assure that you will lose a maximum amount of energy in that transition. So if you fight the fall and try to backpedal into summer, 
and hang on to summer and not let go of not, not let go of the summer and move into fall, you are guaranteeing you will lose the most possible energy as you move through the fall transition. So if you think of and, and similarly for those of you in the southern hemisphere who are transitioning now in the spring, same thing. So if we think of uh, if you think of any relationship you've been in that you held on to far, far too long, and how much energy in reflection you look back and realize how much energy you lost in doing that. This is this is what this Taoist principle means. Um, or you think of the death of a loved one that you still haven't grieved because you can't imagine truly letting go and how much energy is bound up in that stance, that, that refusal to fully grieve. So these are really common examples for contemporary people of how we lose energy in simple human transitions in life. And no one, just like none of us live outside of the seasons of wherever it is that we are living, none of us as humans go through life without loss, without um, you know, staying too long, making something that was by its nature transitional, making it permanent, and then, and then wondering why it's not staying put. You know, this, this is really common for us. We suck at transition. So how do we do transition then since we don't do it very well? So when we're in transition, we need to embrace the transition. We need to allow it. And we need to receive it. And this is just generically, this is sort of like basics of being in transition in a way that we do not lose our energy. Okay, so the basics. So first, you need to recognize that you are in a transition. So you're in a transition that is going from here to there and that you are no longer here and you are not there yet, period. And because you are in transition, there's nothing you can do about that. That is the nature of transition. So stop struggling and whining about that fact. And pay attention to the fact that you are neither here nor there. It's a very different state of being. So the next step, number two in the basics of transition is now now that you recognize the reason I feel this way is because I am in transition. I am neither here nor there. I hate being in transition, which is what most people think next. Okay. Nonetheless... This is the time that your disciplines that collect and contain energy are paramount. These energetic disciplines are absolutely critical in any time you're in a life transition. And what's really interesting about us, meaning contemporary folk, in transition is we almost always use the fact that we're in transition to throw our practices out. I don't have time. I got to pack my boxes. I'm moving. I don't have time to do my practice. And Right when we need them the most, we use the transition. We become the victim of our transition and we throw our practices away, guaranteeing we will start hemorrhaging energy in our transition. And the thing is, transitions are hard on us because we're neither here nor there. That is a hard place for humans to be. And if we don't attend to it well, we will simply hemorrhage energy for the very fact of being a human in transition. So step number one, notice you're in transition and stop whining about it. Number two, shore up your disciplines for containing and um, gathering energy and collecting energy. And don't let the fact that you are in transition become the justification for throwing your practices away. Okay, number three. Now that you've collected yourself, you, you know you're in transition and you've got your practices going, then you need to clarify in your mind what this transition really is. Where were you? Where are you? Which is now in between. And where are you going? So I'm going to share a really practical example. For me, whenever I fly, and, and there were some years there where I was flying a lot, A lot, a lot, a lot. So every time I step onto an airplane, I have a little prayer that I go through about the working with the energies, the spirits of the road, the spirits of the air, that my energy will be contained and held well as I move through the transition. Because there are few transitions we do regularly that are more 
oddly and strangely exhausting for us than flying. Flying is very hard on us energetically and it's a big quick transition and it often can take a, quite a long time to catch up with ourselves when we fly. And But we could choose to attend to ourselves in that transition differently and really gather our energy, collect it around us, ask for help from spirit to move as a wholeness to your destination and then do whatever it is you need to do on the plane to make that true and arrive um, possibly even having gained energy in that transition. Okay, so number four. So now that you've accepted and embraced the transition you are in and you understand it because you really see it clearly where you were, where you are, where you're going, then you need to allow the transition energetically. And this is like letting go of the shore and pushing off hard enough to actually get into the current of the river. Because if you don't do that, you just get bashed along the shore and snagged up and every bump and snag is a place that you lose more energy through the transition. You need to just let go, push off, and let the current of the transition carry you because it is the nature of transition to move you from here to there. Just like spring moves us from winter to summer and fall from summer to winter. So you have to allow yourself. You must let go, period. You must let go of where you were. You need to be where you are in each day because in transition, each day is different. And uh, you need to do that until you arrive at where you're going and pay attention to the journey. So the more passive you are in the journey, like flying, since I'm not a pilot, I'm really passive, right, as a passenger flying, You need to really work to contain your energy. The more engaged you are in the transition. So, for example, if I'm driving, I'm more engaged in the step-by-step nature of the journey. If I'm actually walking, even more so. Nonetheless, they're all transitions. And so finally, number six, with just the basics of being in transition, is finally, if we're going to gain energy in the transition. Remember, we're either losing energy or gaining it. So if we're actually going to gain energy in the transition, we must be willing to receive the transition in all of its unknown and uncertainty and the out-of-controlness that is the very nature of being in transition. So we need to receive it and be in it, but not of it. So that willingness to be with these energies that are sort of naturally uncomfortable for people, but to be with them and begin to remember the potential that gets created whenever we're willing to be uncertain and be in the unknown and be in a situation that is out of control and not get out of control ourselves, but to stay centered, to stay in the eye of the storm and let it run its course. So those are the basics of being in transition in a way that we can potentially gain energy in the transition. So how do we apply this then to living in the seasons? Okay, it's more than the obvious. So the obvious would be that you can't spend the whole fall wishing it was still summer. Right? I mean, that's the obvious. But this is deeper than that. Because what's really underneath wishing it was still summer is actually a deeper knowing that you didn't live fully this summer or completely express whatever it was that needed to be expressed and manifest with all that wonderful young summer energy and that you're still longing for a second chance to do it. You know, you need another month. I mean, I'm notorious for this, so it's I'm talking about myself too. But that's what that longing for summer, if we go deeper into it, is about. It's about the recognition that we didn't use that energy as we intended. We didn't use it fully. Perhaps we didn't use it at all. And that big rise in the cycle of the year of the yang energy went absolutely unharvested. And so this is really this deeper, deeper issue that lies under the transition from summer into winter, into fall time. And in the spring... Um, it's more that here we are in the spring wishing we'd taken better care of ourselves over the winter, that we hadn't indulged so much and gained so much weight and watched too much TV, too much binge TV watching. We didn't really get into that, that project of us 
of going deeply into ourself that we we had intended to do that winter but but we really didn't do it and so then we don't really have the energy to leap into that blossoming that comes in the springtime we don't have the energy to robustly burst forth into that transition because we didn't tend ourselves well over the winter and so we're grumpy and depressed right so so this whole idea of the seasons is is goes even deeper than just this not being very good in transition. So I want to take just a little sidestep here and talk about depression because depression is one of those symptoms of problems in this these sort of transitional seasons. Um, another thing that's noted in literature about depression is that the um, symptoms, whatever the person's symptoms are of depression, um, often escalate or are associated with a change of seasons. And um, what they really mean is that they're associated with the transitional seasons. It's almost always about spring and fall, but no one sort of notices that and recognizes the underlying Taoistic issue there between the yin and the yang manifestations and the understanding that spring and fall by their nature are simply different seasons and they are transitional and we freak out in transition and the particular way we freak out in transitions leads us to depression. So let's talk for just a minute about depression. I've actually been reading a lot about depression since Robin Williams' suicide because I've been trying to respond to a lot of listeners who want me to do a show on depression and suicide. And honestly, I have yet to find a resource that I could really fully endorse, largely because they don't encompass shamanism and their understanding of depression and why we're in it. But with that said, <coughs> excuse me, there's still lots of literature out there. And depression ranges from mild to moderate to severe and within this there's also a particular um, issue called SAD which is seasonal affective disorder and I want to acknowledge that because we're talking about the seasons and this tends to be um, fall into that latter grouping of the moderate to severe depression and I want to say out loud here depression is real SAD is real these are these are real conditions and we don't need to diminish them or think these are just uh, people just don't kind of have the cojones to not go there. It's not, that's not what it's about. However, I am not convinced that culturally we actually understand these, these experiences, depression and sad very well. Um, I think we don't really understand them and that because of that, we don't actually treat them very effectively. Nonetheless, what I wanted to say about SAD is if you think you've got SAD, if your doctors think you've got SAD or whatever, then get the light thingy and use it and see if it helps or see to what degree it helps because it could be all or part of the problem. So go for it. But just remember that for us as humans, for the deep and wide and lasting emotional well-being that we must cultivate um, to be healthy and well. We need to cultivate a relationship with darkness and to go deeply within in the winter to replenish our yin resources and to nourish our soul and its calling. And so for many of us, this energetically is an aspect of the deeper root of what we're dealing with. Even if you have sad and the little light thingy does make you feel better, there's always the question of what lies deeper. Okay. And there's another piece of really good science out there now. And it's um, intercellular screening. It's called a spectrocell micronutrient test. And it's looking at cellular function at this micronutritional level. And my sense is that in my actual lifetime, I don't think it's going to take us long because we're so disappointed with many of the offerings that we're getting from allopathic medicine around these issues. But this particular test because it's showing what's actually going on in the cell it's showing us if we are for example not processing something like vitamin a that has a huge impact on mental function and so i think in my lifetime with with the advent of the ability to do this kind of testing we're going to see that the real at a cellular level and it's not really about brain chemistry you know that the micronutrition comes first and the brain chemistry after I'm not saying that brain chemistry isn't real I mean chemistry is real uh, but 
it's not the root of the problem. Okay, so back to depression, though, and how we miss the obvious. So it seems well established, for example, this is one of the examples of missing the obvious around depression. So it's pretty well established that an individual's symptoms, an individual who believes they have depression from mild to severe and everything in between, that the symptoms are worse in the morning. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, of course they are. Morning is the natural time of yin stagnation. We can't help that. The chi can't help that. We've been lying around for eight hours or so. Chi pools and stagnates. We're not moving and we're horizontal. It's like on the detective shows where they realize the body didn't get killed there because the blood pooled in the body in a different position. It's the same thing with chi at night. It stagnates. Deal with it. That's the reason there's so many practices that have a morning practice. The mystery schools, the religious traditions, all of these things that have practices have morning practices. Because the chi is stagnated, we must sleep at night. It's deeply important in the overall nourishment of our energy. And the chi will stagnate when we do that. So we need to move it. And I get it. When you're depressed, you don't want to get up. You can't move. You can't get out of bed. So do your practice in bed. Because there is a piece in all of this where we always have to remember, no matter what we're talking about, what is it that only you can do for yourself? And what is it that others can do for you? And the bottom line around your chi stagnation from sleep is only you can move your chi. So get up and move it. You know, the coffee isn't actually moving your chi. It's just hammering your adrenals. So move your chi in the morning. Even if you don't like it, even if you don't want to do it, even if you feel grumpy and you don't think it's helping, regularly move your chi. This is why the symptoms of depression are worse in the morning because we're stagnant anyway. Because depression and anxiety, which and the anxiety that often accompanies depression, are energetically about stagnant and excessive yin. So you're already emotionally and energetically in a stagnant state. You go to bed. You sleep at night. Maybe you don't sleep very well. You wake up grumpy. Your chi is stagnant. So you're in an excess, excessive state. So the one thing you can deal with is this stagnant chi. Move it. Move your body. And then you're just back to whatever the excessive, stagnant, energetic issue is that is at the root of your depression in the first place. So... My point is, of course, your symptoms are worse in the morning because we're not, we're, talk, we're not talking about brain chemistry at the root of this issue. We are talking about yin and yang energy because we're always talking about yin and yang energy. That's all that's going on here. So don't make a mountain out of a molehill, right? Get up, do your practice or lie in bed and do your practice, but do it. And you, you just simply have to do the parts that are yours to do. No matter the situation. Spirit can't move your chi for you. You just have to move because you're embodied. Okay, so moving right along. So let's look at spring and fall energetically. Let's get back to the seasons here. So regarding spring, I actually already have a show exploring this pretty well. And it's in the archives and it's called Planting the Seeds of Your Soul's Purpose. So, you know, so how would you know that was the title, right, that goes with this. But anyway, you can go listen to that whole show. Get yourself ready for springtime. Well, some of you are in it already, but anyway, you get my point. The basics of that show are saying simply that spring, the season, the transitional season of spring is a time in the cycle of the year that the liver is cleansing and nourishing and expressing itself in its own cycle of health and well-being, its own annual cycle. And this is why it's important that we have gone within over the winter and realigned ourselves with the source and reconnected to our sense of purpose and meaning in life. This is all the yin work of the winter. Because this helps us to be clear about what it, where we want our energy to go, you know, what are we wanting to dream into reality, and what do we need to let go of, right? So spring is the time that the dreamer wakes up. Because in Chinese medicine, in this pairing of liver and gallbladder, they are the dreamer and the manifester. So they are the wood element. And the strong and flexible and upward rising nature of the wood is talking about this yin energy beginning to rise in the transition of the spring. Um, 
and so the dreamer is waking up and the manifester is starting to move to make what the dreamer is dreaming happen in the world. So it's all about the buds emerging on the barren branches of your life. And so the liver is the dreamer and energetically it's called on to disseminate the chi where it is needed. So it's often referred to as the general and it wants to marshal your chi into your dreams and into why you are here. The liver doesn't make chi build chi or store chi it's purely about the energetic task of sending the chi out to support um, the manifestation of why you are here so after a long winter's sleep and we're waking the body to cleanse it to receive our clarity from the general and to get ready to take off and so the challenge when we haven't gone within over the winter and done our yin work we haven't stopped things and disengaged from the distractions and we haven't realigned ourselves and our life with our dreams over the winter we haven't sorted out and cleansed the dead dreams that just simply aren't going to be lived and let them go so what happens then is it becomes a really problematic situation to wake up from this great dream with a vision that you can't wait to manifest and there's all this crap in the way all these things left undone, all these issues you've avoided instead of really dealing with them, all these emotions that have been denied that want your attention, and that nagging promise that you made to your heart uh, that you have broken once again by not spending winter with it. And so that's the deal with spring, that the dreamer is awakened and more inspired by the buds and the blossoms and the lengthening days of sunshine and the general is stumbling over all of these dead dreams and unfinished business of a year or perhaps even a lifetime and the general isn't happy so of course it's depressing we don't need to pathologize it we created it of course it's depressing okay so that's for all of you in the southern hemisphere so for those of you in the northern hemisphere what about fall so fall is the time in the cycle of the year that the lungs are cleansing and nourishing and expressing themselves in their cycle of health so when the lungs detox they need to release unexpressed unexpressed grief and sadness in their natural course of moving into health and well-being so our lungs are just trying to be healthy trying to move this stuck emotional energy of sadness and grief out and we pathologize it we say oh my god i'm depressed instead of getting on board with this transition and and the work that the lungs need to do there is no reason to make a mountain out of this molehill your lungs just need to get you current with this unexpressed emotional energy and the sadness and grief are two things we run screaming away from as it accumulates through the year and fall is the time that the lungs need to just go blah and let these things out so they have to be felt and released and expressed and let go of no reason to think this means I'm depressed or that I'm sad or that I'm in grief because the sadness and the grief tend to sort of seem like they arise out of nowhere. It's why we think, oh my God, I'm depressed. No, your lungs are just trying to do their job. So in our inability to be in the uncertainty of transition because we want to be in this constant happy, happy, happy state, right? We refuse to allow the lungs to do what they need to do. And may I take a moment to remind you this is my little shamanic sidebar. A moment to remind you that one of the most common reasons that we have stuck ancestral energy, stuck dead relations that have not gone anywhere since the moment that they died and are creating nothing but problems here on earth. One of the most common reasons is unexpressed grief. Okay, so with that said, back to the lungs. In Chinese medicine, when this long, large intestine pair um, are allowed to follow through their own wisdom towards health, the grief and the sadness are felt and released, which frees up the courage, frees up our capacity then for surrender, our capacity to let go of things. And it allows us to be in a state of emptiness. And I call this sort of sacred emptiness. It's that ability to empty the cup so the universe can pour something new into it 
And so this is the healthy emotional state of the lungs, which is this courage, surrender, letting go, emptiness, patience, and waiting for the next thing to happen kind of place. So, hmm, let me see here. Courage, surrender, letting go, emptiness. This sounds like the perfect state I need to be in if I'm going into the yin time of the winter to deeply engage with those restorative activities of the winter time. Hmm, it sounds like the body and the seasons have it all sorted out correctly for us. But we, in our need to be happy, 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 pathologize the natural system that would allow us to be whole in a big, good way. So instead of embracing the transition and working with what the lungs need to do in the fall, we panic. We bail on the transition. We lose, we hemorrhage energy. And many of us go back on our pharmaceuticals. Sadness is not going to kill you. After the moment in which the profound loss happens, grief isn't going to kill you either. Grief is an amazingly generous and compassionate emotion. It allows you time. Because if we did have to feel all of our grief all at once when the event happens that causes grief, we would die. Granted. But grief doesn't need you to do it all at once. These emotions are not going to kill you. And if you want a healthy heart, you have to have the courage to feel everything. Not in excess, but to feel the whole emotional uh, landscape and to know when to let go. And frankly, it is issues that bring sadness and the events that bring grief into our life and, and being in those emotions and experiencing them that teaches us to let go, that teaches us to surrender, that teaches us to be emptied by life's experience and to simply be that way, to allow something else to happen. So the lungs are part of the metal element, right? So this is often a confusing element for me as well. Uh, but to put it into human context, when metal is in excess, we as humans behave in ways that are overly controlling, which is usually a compensation for a deeper internal feeling we don't want to feel, which is being completely out of control or disempowered. And so we respond to that by being overly controlling. So when the metal is deficient or underdeveloped, immature, um, we choose relationships and positions where we will be controlled by others as a way to avoid using our power. Or we allow ourselves to be controlled in relationship and then resent the hell out of the person that we've cast in that role to be our controller. So that's kind of a human way to begin to tune in to the metal element. Um, what we miss in our contemporary lives is that um, metal, uh, what that element in us could be if, we were in if it was in balance in our life. So if we look at control as a purely energetic uh, from a purely energetic standpoint, not this human emotional perspective, if we look at the metal element and the lungs, that what they are influencing is the most physical or somatic manifestation of the human soul. So it's that place of interface, of direct interface between the physical body of matter and the soul itself. So control in its most energetic sense is about the way in which we allow the soul to take from here on earth and interface with the actual matter of the physical body. And so in, in a sense, control isn't about control over, but it's about that bringing the vibration into focus create this interface between the body and the soul and so the detox and the discharge of sadness and grief is essential in our ability to finally dial in the soul and this also means that by cultivating the courage to allow and by embracing the feeling of emptiness and the ability to let go to surrender these things are essential in this art 
of being a soul manifest in your physical body. So the challenge in the fall is the willingness to go into the sadness and grief for the good of your soul. That they are the emotions that teach us to let go. They teach us to surrender. And they often render us empty in the expression of them. And that emptiness is there so that we can be filled with our true dreams or with our new dreams. So it's our soul and its passion for why it's here that's wanting us to empty ourselves so that it can fill us again with that reminder this is why you're here this is my passion this is this is what i came for clear that cup so that i can fill you again and remind you why you're here this is this is what the fall is offering us this is the opportunity in the fall to move into this metal element and the need of the lungs to detox and to move in to the sadness and the grief to feel them and let them go so we can go beyond that to this place where we are once again renewed in our capacity to know what to let go of and how to surrender and to have the courage necessary to face emptiness so that our soul might be able to remind us of the true passion for why we are here. So we must stop pathologizing our emotional states. Sadness and grief are there for the health of the human heart. And they are there for the health of the relationship between the body and the soul. To feel sadness that appears out of nowhere or to feel this grief that arises suddenly at the sight of a dead bird, right? These are the weird kind of things that happen in the fall. It's a response to life. It's not pathology. Yes, it's depressing to feel that way. Go feel it anyway. Dive in deeper. Dive in past the level of depression. Don't hover at that surface, worrying and anxiety, having worry and anxiety about, oh my God, I'm depressed, but feel through it. Feeling, in other words, feeling depressed does not mean you are clinically depressed. Depression as a feeling is a natural sort of pulling back from sadness, from grief, from pain. Do it anyway. Move through it. Recognize, wow, I'm feeling depressed. I am trying to push out of this transition that is asking to happen. Let me choose as a wise person, as a mature spiritual adult, to step into it and to move into it. So depression, the feeling of depression and these deeper emotions under the surface are there for a reason. It is a level of detox that needs to happen because of particular experiences you've had with life. And so that's the deal with fall. Fall signals a time to become empty and attend to your approach to the deeply nourishing yin activities of winter. Fall signals a time to let go of what you didn't do over the summer. Grieve it. Let it go. Grieve the losses and disappointments of the past cycle, the whole past year. Feel the sadness that naturally rises and falls in a life well lived. Living your life well doesn't mean you'll never grieve and you'll never feel sadness. Just feel them. Fall says surrender to your destiny and begin to prepare yourself differently for the next summer. And do this by feeling. Fall says learn from your life. Listen to your soul. Allow your heart to draw you into emotions that you haven't taken the time to feel yet because you were too involved in the summer and all that was going on. Feel them now. Empty the cup. That is the transitional opportunity in the fall. So what do we do with this shamanically? So, of course, the first issue with divination is that the question matters. And by that, what I mean is that how you see the problem shapes the questions you will ask. And so this is really the fundamental reason that I have continued to study Taoism with my shamanism. Because I find that the questions that arise when I look at something through a Taoistic perspective are far more effective as questions in shamanism. That they're far, the answers are far, by far more transformative than the questions that I would ask if I'm looking at the problem from a contemporary Western medical point of view. It just doesn't lead to very effective questions because that whole point of view is very far away from the real energies and the principles by which shamanism operates. You know, our helping spirits will come to us there, but that doesn't mean it's a shamanic place. 
So for example, you are you in transition? Well, of course you are. We all are right now. As I said at the beginning of the show, the whole planet's in transition right now because we live on a globe that's tilted. But what transition are you in? Are you in spring or fall? Are you in liver time or lung time? Are you feeling out of sorts or depressed? These transitional seasons offer two very, very different reasons why you're feeling that way. So what transition are you in? Once you sort that out, you know, you can figure that part all out by yourself, then journey to ask your helping spirits to show you how you are losing or gaining energy in this transition. And your answer may actually show you in some sort of um, experiential way you being in transition or show you an image that has you leaking or gaining energy. And you may need to journey into each of those leaks to find out what is that leak literally, you know, how does it literally translate into your life, right? So that's one way you can begin to work with what I've been talking about today. Another is to journey to ask, how do I adjust my attitude so that I allow this transition, its full nature in my life? In other words, how do I allow the transition? Transitions are designed to transport us from here to there. It never ceases to amaze me how people are simultaneously absolutely miserable and dying where they are and equally holding on to that place and unwilling to transition from their miserable here to the unknown there. It never ceases to amaze me. So how do you need to adjust your attitude to fully engage the transformation and where it's taking you? How do you truly go without losing energy from here to there? And what do you need to do to allow this transition? Now that you've adjusted your attitude, what do you need to do to really allow this transition and then finally the receiving of it. I mean this is this is the you know this is the cojones journey, right? How do I engage this transition so that I gain energy from it? In other words, what is required of me to not only make it through this transition by the you know skin of my teeth, right? But how do I actually engage in this transition in such a way, allow it to happen and receive it so that I can actually gain energy in the process? So with that said, if you are in springtime, you'll be asking questions about dreams and the dreamer and getting on with your liberty talks. And if you're in fall, you'll be asking about how to perform a grief ritual, perhaps, Or where to find the courage to feel your sadness deeply enough to surrender to emptiness, to be patient in that state and not needing anything to change or to distract you or to deny what feelings are arising at this time. So part of the point of understanding our lives through the lens of Taoism and the movement of yin and yang energy in a day um, in a year and how we move through this is to truly harmonize with the nature of the season that we're in and to not pathologize the very efforts of our body's own organs to do their detox. You know, there's five organ systems. They each detox at a different time of year and the detox of, of the liver in the spring and the lungs in the fall are part of the reason these seasonal transitions seem to be so hard. But if we saw them as the time to attend to the detox of these organs and attend to where the transition is trying to take us from yin into yang or from yang into yin so that we can deeply emerge then, so that we're ready to deeply emerge into the yin time or we're ready to deeply engage with the yang time. If we saw our life in this way, we wouldn't be pathologizing what's going on We would simply be engaging with it and we would be the kind of people that seek to gain the skills to deepen that engagement. So what we need to remember is that all yang all the time extinguishes itself and draws us to death through depletion. And all yin all the time stagnates itself and delivers us just as directly to death through suffocation, no movement. Life is in the movement. It's in the movement of the chi, from yin to yang to yin 
to yang, to yin to yang, in the cycling, the constant cycling of the chi in the cell, in the body, in the day, in the year, in the life, the constant movement of chi. And our grace, our engagement, the quality of our engagement with life has everything to do with our learning to serve the movement of the chi, our learning to be with the cycle that we are in, in the day, in the year. So life is in the movement of the chi from yin to yang. Life is in the transitions that move us from here to there. And life is in the transitions and in that place of neither here or there, we glimpse the mystery and stumble over our true self. So I want to thank the ancestral helping spirits in their many forms for gathering around us here today and for helping us to learn again and again the things that we need to know to live well and to bring grace into the world. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Uh, my, my classes for 2014 are definitely winding down, but there is one last clearing class this weekend in Tucson, Arizona. We have tons of space in the location that we've chosen, and you are welcome to still register. You can go to lastmaskcenter.org to the calendar in October and register straight from the webpage. I hope to see you there. Everybody, have a great week. <laughs>